Well, man, it's so good to have you guys here today. Good morning. My name is Brian Haas. I'm the pastor here. And thank you so much for joining us here at Local Church this morning. Thanks for making Sunday morning a priority. And thank you so much for being here. Um, Hopefully you're enjoying the lemonade. I told you this last week, we are okay bribing you, not necessarily to come to church. You're not going to come to church because of lemonade, probably. Maybe some of you. Uh, But the goal is that you would stick around a little bit afterwards. We hope that this is not just a church service, but this is a church family. So to do that, we need you to stick around a little bit. So uh, afterwards today, we've got all the t-shirts. If you didn't get your t-shirt last week, there are stacks of t-shirts on both sides of the lobby. Go and get your free t-shirt. We have kids t-shirts on the other side of the lobby. Um, Make sure you're getting your lemonade and stick around afterwards. Also next week, if you want to mark this on your calendar some way, if you want to set a reminder for you that next Sunday after the 11 o'clock service is something we call open house. We do this about three to four times a year, and it's an opportunity for you to not just hear more about the church, but it's also an opportunity for you to figure out what does it look like for me to be part of the church? What does it mean to be part of local? I mean, love that you attend, love that you show up, but what does it look like to truly be part of the local family? We'll talk through some of the specifics. We'll take care of your kids. We got childcare for you. We'll provide lunch for you, feed you. That alone should be enough to get you there. But if not, would love for you to be part of what God is doing here. Answer your questions. You get to meet the staff and our team. So that's coming up next week. Would love, you ha- would love to have you be part of that as well. So I don't mean to brag necessarily. Well, I'm, I'm going to brag. Um, there's something specifically for me that I have become an absolute expert in. Uh, I've been doing this for over 30 years. Um, it started out a little rough, but I, I learned pretty quickly on, on how to do this. And this is now something that comes second nature to me. It's something that I can do without thinking. It's something that I, I really do pride myself on, not just doing well, but doing absolutely perfectly I'm going to go ahead and show you what this is. I'm going to have a Mr. Rogers moment. You ready? Here we go. I'm going to tie my shoes. I'm not even going to look. I'm going to look right at you, and I'm going to tie my shoes. Boom. There it is. An expert at tying my shoes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, for those of you that missed it, or you're not an expert at tying your shoes yet, let me walk you through it. So once you do the cross, here's the way that you, this is the right way to do it. You make the bunny, right? So you do the rabbit. The rabbit goes around the tree and then through the hole. That's how you do it, right? That's the correct way of doing it. Now, I want to do an experiment with you because I actually tested this with my kids last night. I had all three of my kids say, hey, grab a shoe, come in here, tie your shoes. And I was completely blown away that two out of my three children did it the wrong way. One's still working on it, so she gets a pass. But the other two, I was like, who taught you to tie your shoes that way? And they're like, I don't know. I was like, that is absolutely incorrect. That is the wrong way to tie your shoes. So then it got me thinking, "Now, now for the rest of you, I want you to think through, how do you tie your shoes? Some of you, it's actually harder than you think. You're like, I don't know. How do I tie my shoes? Because you've been doing it for so long. So think through it. How do you tie your shoes? There's probably three categories. The first one is somebody that you're just, you're a smart aleck. You're like, which, which knot do you want me to tie, Brian? Do you want the bow? Do you want the cross? Do you want the boat shoe? Do you, do you want the, what do you want? Show off. I'm not going to talk to you for a second. Then there's some of you that do the double bunny If you're a double bunny person, you're wrong. That's what my kid showed me last night. It was bizarre. I was like, seriously, there's no way I taught you this. They do the one bunny and then the second bunny, and then they do something weird, and it creates a knot. I'm like, that took way too long for you to tie your shoes. Like, no, it's it's one bunny, and then you go around the tree and you go through the through the hole. That's how you do it. And then that's how the rest of us do it. How many of you are willing to admit in front of all of us you do the double bunny? Anybody? Oh, man, I am so sorry. 
I don't know who taught you that. I don't know what kind of parents you had growing up, what teachers you had in school, but you are absolutely wrong. That's not how you tie your shoes. One bunny around the tree and through the hole. That's how you do it. I'm very passionate about how you tie your shoes, apparently. Right now, here's what's interesting. Here's why I'm bringing this up. There's a couple realities in regards to tying your shoes. Here's the very first reality, other than my way's right. The reality, there's two realities. The first one is we all think we are right, right? That's how I grew up tying my shoes, the one bunny method. And that's how I've been doing it ever since. So like, I don't know anything else. That's just how I tie my shoes. And I've been doing it for so long. It just happens. You don't think about it. When I need to tie my shoe, that's just the way that I do it. I don't, I don't have to think twice because that's how I do it. So everybody thinks the way they tie their shoes is the right way to tie their shoes. You would fight me on that. It's like, no, 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 no. This is the right way. And it's better because of this reason. We all think our way is the right way. Here's the second reality. It would be almost impossible for me to change how I tie my shoes now. Like if I tried to, which I would never do this, if I ever decided to go the double bunny route with my shoes, I don't think I could do it. I mean, I'd have to think really hard and it would take a lot of effort. And I'm like, I I can't change. I've been doing this the way that I've been doing it for so long. It wouldn't make sense. And there's no way I would even want to put in the effort. It becomes so difficult to change tying your shoes. Try it this way. If you don't believe me, try this week, try tying your shoes a different way. And you will give it about 30 seconds to say, forget, it, I'm just going back to the way I used to do it. Those realities speak to our spiritual lives as well. We all think our way is right and changing feels near impossible. So as we go through the scripture this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter five. We were there last week. We're going to be in an earlier passage today. Our passage in Luke chapter five, here's what I'm hoping you would be willing to consider. As we go through our scripture today, open God's word, we are going to hear some truths from God's word. And chances are really good that you and I, me included, that you and I are going to hear a truth from God's word that might rub against us a little bit wrong because we're like, "Mm, I don't do it that way. That's not how I was raised. That's not how I was taught. That's not how I've been living life these last 30, 40, 50 plus years. So uh, I hear what you're saying, but this is how I do it. And my way's right. And changing my way at this point just doesn't seem possible. Would you be willing to let the Holy Spirit lean in on you specifically today? Like what if Jesus presents a truth and you're like, "Mm, that is the right way. And that is a better way. But that means I've got to start adjusting some things in my own life. Would you be willing to say, no matter what I've been doing, no matter what I've been taught, no matter how I grew up, no matter what I want, no matter what period, am I willing to say, God, your way is better, your way is right, and I'm going to do the work to follow you instead of just doing what I've always done. That's going to be the hard part today. That's going to be that rub based on what God's word says. Are you willing to say, my way might not be right? And I definitely am willing, because I know it's going to be hard, I'm willing to put in the work to see what he might want to do in me, but also through me. As we go through this passage, there's going to be three sections. So if you love taking notes or you want to write these down, you want to think through them these ways, this is going to be helpful. We're going to see Jesus ask a question, then he's going to offer a suggestion, and then he's going to make an invitation. So there's a question, look for the question. There's going to be a suggestion that he's going to speak into somebody's life, and then he's going to offer an invitation. 
Let's go through it. Let's see what he says. And again, just because this is how I do it, are we willing to turn, change, and do things his way? Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. If you don't have a Bible on your way out when you're getting lemonades and t-shirts and everything, please make sure you get a Bible. That is our gift to you, the best thing we could ever give you. That includes lemonade and t-shirts, by the way. The Bible's still better than both of those. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. I love that. Like what a great picture. Now, scripturally here, this, this is like physically what was happening. Jesus was preaching, he was teaching, he was explaining God's word and people were pressing in physically and literally against him. So he's gonna have to like step back and like find another place to go here in a second. But I would want that for us as a church. That every Sunday morning when we open God's word, we all start to press in, not to me, but into his word. And we lean in and we desire to know what he says. I love that language. Great crowds pressed in on him as he listened, pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Here's what happens. Verse two. So he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. That means they were done for the day. Verse three, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked, Jesus asked Simon, that's also Simon Peter. You're gonna see that name kind of used interchangeably here. So Peter, eventually one of the disciples. Got in the boat and he asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. So here's Jesus teaching and preaching. The crowds are pressing up against him. He doesn't have really anywhere else to go. So he sees a couple empty boats. The fishermen were done for the day. So he gets in one of the boats and it's interesting, he doesn't ask Simon or ask Peter, can I borrow your boat? He just steps into the empty boat. And then he asks the question, here's the question. Would you take me out to sea? Would you push me off out into the water? And Simon's gonna have to go with him. It's kind of his boat. So he's asking the question, but it's not so much a, can I borrow your boat question? It's a, Peter, do you wanna be part of this question? Did you catch that? He got in the boat and he asked Simon, here's the question, its owner, to push it out into the water. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, Peter, you wanna come, you wanna come help me out with this? You wanna come and be part of this with me? And so Simon Peter gets in the boat, pushes the boat with Jesus and him in it, and they push out to shore so Jesus can continue to teach. That boat is basically acting like a stage. It acts like a platform. Our, vo our voices, sound carries well over water. So as Jesus was getting back in, in the water, he's on the boat, he's able to teach a large crowd of people without being smothered. But I love that question he asked Peter. He's not asking to borrow something. He's asking Peter to come and be part of something, right? It requires Peter to get involved, to get engaged, to participate. Not say, sure, you can use what, whatever you need. It's, I have to go now with you I'm going to stop what I was doing, and now I'm going to join you with what you are doing. What a beautiful question Jesus asked. Do you want to come and be part of what I'm doing? What if Jesus asked us that question? Hey, I, I'm not asking to borrow something. I'm not asking necessarily even for help, but do you want to come and be part of what I'm doing? And I hope our answer would be yes, yes. Let me put everything else aside. I know I've been working hard today and I know I'm trying to go home like Peter and the rest of the fishermen were cleaning their nets. They're, they're at the end of their day, ready to go home. But for us, could we, could we say this? If we wanna be in awe of Jesus, this whole series we're looking at what it means to be in awe and amazement of who Jesus is. Part of that is joining in with what Jesus is doing. 
Peter could have easily have said, just no, use whatever you need. Like, I'm going to finish my stuff. You go do you. But that's not what Jesus wanted. He didn't really want the boat. He wanted Peter to be part of something. He wanted the rest of these fishermen to be part of something. You want to be in awe of Jesus? Join in with what he's already doing. Now, that, that sounds great, right? That's all like an amen, move on. There's one more part we got to talk about. And I've said it a couple times. Peter, James, John, the rest of these fishermen, their boats were emptied. So they had cleaned everything out of the boats. What were they doing with their nets? They were cleaning and washing their nets, which shows us that they were done for the day. They were finished. They were ready to go home. They were tired. So this question was not just a question of involvement, like come and be part of what I'm doing. This was also a very inconvenient question. Could we agree on that? Like this was not good timing for Peter, James, John, and the rest of these men. This was, man, Jesus, if you would have asked me yesterday before I started my whole shift, like this would have been a lot better. But it's at the end of my day. We've already cleaned everything up. Now you're asking? It wasn't much. Like, let's, let's be honest. It wasn't much. It was, we need to use the boat. And Peter, would you come out with me? So it's not that Jesus was asking something crazy. It wasn't that he was asking for a miracle here. It, it really wasn't even that big of a step of faith. We talk a lot about taking steps of faith. There really wasn't much of a step of faith here. It was just more of a step of inconvenience. But if we want to join in with what Jesus is doing, let's just say it, it's going to take some time. And it's probably not going to be the ideal time. It might even feel a little inconvenient. It might not seem like a big deal, but oh, you don't know what Jesus is working on. You don't know what's about to happen. If Jesus came to you and said, man, you want to be in awe? Will you join me in what I'm already doing? Is your answer yes? Or is it, man, I'm, I'm working on this over here. I'm just finishing up this here. I've got these things I got to take care of first. Could we have a posture of being ready and willing to jump in and join Jesus with what he's doing? It means we have to be attentive. It means we have to be paying attention, but we also have to be willing. Here's the next part of the story. So Jesus teaches, finishes teaching and preaching. They're out on the boat, out in the water. Here's where Jesus gives a suggestion. Verse four, when he had finished speaking, he, Jesus said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Let's talk about the suggestion. Jesus starts with a question. You want to be part of something that I'm doing here. I need to get in your boat, and I need you to take me out. Question. Now look at the suggestion. Again, Jesus is known as a preacher, a teacher, a rabbi. This is early on in his ministry. We haven't really seen a ton of miracles and healings yet. So that part of the reputation hasn't really taken off for Jesus yet. So this preacher, teacher, rabbi looks at Simon Peter, a professional fisherman. That's what he does for a living. It's what he's always done and offers a suggestion. Maybe you should fish this way. Like just allowing that to, to sink in. Jesus tells and offers a suggestion to a professional, professional fisherman how to fish. Like when you think of your areas of expertise, you don't like people telling you what to do, 
right? Especially somebody that has no business offering those suggestions. If you're here last week, I talked about my wonderful time with Captain Clay. I went from not liking fishing at all to like, I'll actually talk about and tolerate it now if you were here. This would be like me as a preacher telling Captain Clay where to go catch fish. It's like, no, you have no idea what you're talking about, Brian. And that would be completely true. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But here, Jesus is offering that suggestion. Would you be willing to do this my way? Would you fish my way? Now, Peter has an interesting response here. It's a very respectful response, and it comes in two parts. Let's look at both of these. The first part, did you catch what he called Jesus? He called him master, super important. In your Bible, I'd say circle it, highlight it, underline it. You could even write teacher next to it. Those words get interchanged a lot throughout the Gospels, master or teacher. So here he gives a good title that focuses on Jesus's position, recognizes respectfully, you are a man of some kind of authority, doesn't really specify the authority, but says master or teacher, like, yes, you're respected. We recognize that you have some level of authority, but it's not personal whatsoever. He's not saying you're my teacher or you're my master. He's just saying like, this is a title. This is a position that I recognize people have given you. So he's being respectful, calls a master. And then he begins to explain what he tried to do. He says, master or teacher, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. In other words, we tried. We've already tried this. Like, I hear your suggestion, master, teacher, preacher has no business giving me suggestions on this, on this topic. I hear your suggestion, but we've already tried this. I mean, we were up all night. It's not that we just tried, like we worked hard. We're told we worked hard and we worked hard all night. So we put in the effort. We put in the time. We've done everything we know how to do. We've tried everything we know how to try and we came up empty handed. Like I I can think of Peter's decision-making process here. I'm the professional. I've done this every day of my, my working adulthood life. My parents probably were fishermen. I've grown up in a fishing town. I know what I'm doing. I know this late. I was doing this all last night. We were working hard. It wasn't just me. It was both of our boats. None of us caught anything. And here's this man telling me how to do it. We've tried. That's the first part of his response. The second part of his response is a beautiful act of faith. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Now, here's what I love about Peter's faith here. Like this feels, at least to me, maybe I'm misreading this. This feels like a very reluctant faith to me. Because if it was just pure blind faith, I don't think we would have heard the first part. Master, we worked hard all day and didn't catch a thing. I think his point was, we've tried everything, but if you want me to try it your way and prove you wrong, I'm happy to do so. Like, that's what it feels like to me. It feels very reluctant. It feels like he's going to do what Jesus said, but with a whole lot of doubts. It doesn't sound like a disciple of Jesus that fully believes what Jesus said here. I love that about Peter. If you know your scriptures, you know that faith the size of a what? You know it? of a mustard seed. Yes. I mean, that's super small. And what a great example for us to see that lived out. Peter has a tiny amount of faith. He's got faith the side of a mustard seed. He's reluctant. He's doubtful. 
but if you say so, I mean, we'll give it a whirl. We'll see what happens. We'll give it a shot. I love that about his faith. And I think oftentimes the reason I love it is because oftentimes for us, we get stuck in all that we have tried and it keeps us from trusting Jesus. Like I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and it hasn't worked. And so we don't even get the opportunity to trust Jesus because of all the things we've tried and we think it's pointless and helpless and hopeless. For example, we might say, man, we have tried. Jesus, I hear what you're saying. I I hear the suggestion. I hear what you're trying to speak into my life. But you just need to know, Jesus, regardless of what you say, I've already tried it. I've tried to break the addiction. Didn't work. I've tried to work on my marriage and make us work. It didn't work. I've tried to change. Didn't work. I've tried to forgive. Didn't work. I've tried and tried. So Jesus, I hear your suggestion, but we've already tried it. Oh, please, don't be so stuck in all that you've tried on your own that you never give the trust a chance. I love that about Peter. I tried and I worked hard and it didn't happen. I gave up all this time and, but I've got just enough faith that I'll try this trusting Jesus thing. I love that about his faith, his tiny, reluctant faith that he was willing to still give trusting Jesus a chance. So the suggestion, it's all about Jesus speaking into our lives, specifically speaking into our lives. If you wanna be in awe, if you wanna be in wonder, if you wanna be amazed at what Jesus does in your life, allow Jesus to speak into your life and your situation, specifically your life. We're not just talking about just life in general. We're not talking about situations in general. We're talking about yours specifically. Allow Jesus to specifically and intentionally speak into your life here and now in your specific situations. It's exactly what he did for Peter, right? Like this whole scene so far, minus the major catch of fish, it's not a very spiritual scene so far. Like Jesus is giving suggestions to a fisherman on how to fish, Like, Jesus, like, you're a rabbi. Don't you want to, like, teach him the old Hebrews of the Pentateuch and walk him through? Like, there's not a lot of spirituality that we would classify that as. He just wants to help Peter in a specific area of his life. And God still does that. He does that through his word. Our specific situations, our specific circumstances, God is still speaking. He cares about you. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about what you're dealing with. And he has spoken to you and he has offered plenty of suggestions and directions based on your life situation. Let me just give you a few. These are not all of them. These are not even all of the references, but let me give you a few and let me just walk you through what I mean here. If you were to take some of the things that we deal with in our specific life, right? I want you to see that God's word speaks to that. Old Testament and New Testament. So are you afraid? Are you dealing with fear? Maybe you have some changes coming in your life and I'm just afraid because of the unknown and the uncertainty and I don't know how this is gonna work out. I mean, I got two great passages for you to look at. Isaiah 41.10 and John 14.27. I'm not gonna spoil it. I want you to see it. Like do the hard work. Listen to what he's saying to you. What about backsliding? Man, I've been doing really well. I've been moving forward. I've been trying to change and do some right things, but I just find myself going back to my old ways and you're still trying to tie your shoes with a double bunny. If that's you, all my double bunny people need to read this one. 
1 John, 1 John 1, 5 through 10, and all of Romans 8. I gave you a whole chapter, not just a verse on that one. What does Jesus say to you if you find yourself backsliding? Are you in crisis? Psalm 91. Do you feel like you're in danger? Matthew 7, 24 through 29. Are you depressed? Getting up in the morning seems like too much, and I'm not being sarcastic. Psalm 34 is for you. Are you having doubts? God, I don't know how much I, I don't know if I believe this. I'm struggling with my own faith. Mark 9, 21 through 24. You can read the rest of the story, but that gives you a couple verses to look at. Are you dealing with failure? Luke 15, Proverbs 24, Psalm 73. Do you find yourself in a place of loneliness? You maybe have experienced lost. Psalm 34, 18. Are you stressed out? Read all of Psalm 62. Are you tired? Matthew 11, 28 through 29. Do you have worries you're dealing with in life? Matthew 6, 19 through 34. Now, we could keep going on and on and on and on and on. Whatever you are walking in, whatever you are walking through, his word will speak to you. If you're like, well, I don't know where to look, my goodness gracious, like, let me help with that. And I'll be happy to sit down with you and let's study the scriptures together. What are you walking through? What is your situation? What is your circumstance? Let me walk with you and help you see. Not what I would suggest. What does God's word say to you personally, individually, and in your season and in your situation? He's still speaking. Don't let the tried keep you from the trust. Right? There's a big difference. We see it played out. We see the result here, what happens when he trusted Jesus. Right? There's a big difference between fishing without Jesus and fishing with Jesus. And if we're not careful, we will just go through our lives dealing with every single life situation on our own. And we're going to probably say something a lot like Peter. I mean, I've tried everything, and I'm tired, and I'm worn out, and I've given all this time and all this effort, and I've come up empty-handed. Man, if that's where you find yourself, would you be willing to listen to the suggestions of God and his word, his truth, and his ways? but it requires trust. Peter had to trust. Jesus gave the suggestion. Peter had to be willing to trust. Here's the next part of it. Here's the response from that. So they catch all this fish. They're absolutely amazed, which we're gonna see, verse eight. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell on his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I am such a sinful man. For he was, and here it is, he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Verse 11, and as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Let's talk through this last section just real quick. Peter's response to Jesus and this miracle is pretty fascinating. Like oftentimes when I'm reading scripture and doing Bible study, I try to put myself in their shoes. I'm like, how would I respond? This is not how I would have responded. Right? If I'm Peter and I'm a fisherman and I just spent all night not catching anything and then the next day this teacher, this rabbi gives me a suggestion and I catch more fish than I ever have seen in my entire life, my first response would tend to be, I think, oh my goodness, how did you do that? Oh, this was incredible. Thank you so much for providing all of this fish. Probably at some point I would say, I think Jesus, you need a change of career. Why are you still doing the whole rabbi thing? I tell you what, let's go 50-50. Let's be partners. Let's do this every single day. We're going to just make it. This is going to be a good partnership. What do you say, Jesus? Let's do this together. I got a job offer for you. 
I feel like one of those three responses would have been my initial response, but not with Peter. His immediate response when he realized what happened, when he realized what just took place, he dropped to his knees. He humbled himself and notice his words. Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. And we know that that response came from a place of awe, a place of amazement, a place of wonder. There's a real important word in here. Remember what he called Jesus earlier on? What did he call him before? Master, what did he just call him here? That's a big shift. That's a huge change. Those words to us might sound interchangeably. In the Greek, those are very, very different words. Master, as I said, master or teacher denotes respect and a level of status or um, of some version of authority. It's almost a military term-ish, right? Kind of like ranks. That's how it would kind of be viewed. When he says, oh, Lord, he is now personalizing that authority of Jesus. He's not just saying, sir. He's saying, you have authority over me. I'm humbling myself before my Lord and my King. It's no longer generic. It's very personal. So for Peter to recognize not just the number of fish, because this really isn't about the fish for Peter, James, and John, and the rest of the fishermen. It's about the Lordship of Jesus. And that's what put Peter in awe. Not so much the number of fish, but he recognized and acknowledged the Lordship of Jesus. It's not just master, it's Lord, my Lord, my King, and I humble myself before you. And then even this next part, again, it seems like, uh, like an odd thing to say to Jesus who just provided all of these fish. He said, get away from me, leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Why would he say that? When you recognize who Jesus is, that is our response. When you recognize the sovereignty of Jesus, the lordship of Jesus, that he is the son of God, he is the Messiah, king of kings and lord of lords, our response of that is, is humility and recognizing I can't be in your presence. Remember the song we just sang just a little bit ago? There is no one like you. And I recognize that I am nothing compared to you. I can't even be in your presence. Peter was in awe because he recognized the lordship and the kingship of Jesus. This was no longer just the suggestion of a preacher or a rabbi. He was absolutely amazed. Now, here's what's interesting. Something's been happening along the way. Like, Jesus isn't done yet, right? He didn't just want Peter to be involved with his work. He didn't just want to speak into Peter's life. Like, this was building to this last moment what Jesus really wanted was Peter to fully follow him, right? That's the last part here. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Do you notice from the first question to the suggestion and now this invitation of following me, each and every one of those required trust, every single one of them. For Jesus to say, hey, can you get in this boat and can you take me out? That required a level of trust, super, super small level of trust, more of a, do I just want to do what I want to do or am I going to trust that maybe there's something here that I should pay attention to? So small level of trust to get in the boat with Jesus. A little bit more trust to follow the suggestion of this preacher and teacher. 
but a whole lot more trust to leave everything and follow him. Did you see every step of the way Jesus was leading Peter in just a little bit more trust, just a little bit more trust? Oh, you trusted me here. Now I'm going to just ask a little bit more. Do you trust me a little bit more? Every step of the way, Peter had to trust Jesus, but he had to trust him more and more and more and more every single step of the way. So what does that look like for us? If we want to be in awe, if we want to be in wonder, if we want to be amazed, it comes down to, are you trusting Jesus with every single step? Or let's ask it this way, what is your next step? Not just next step, but what is your next step in fully following Jesus? What does it look like for this last part? Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything, everything, and followed him. Let's talk about everything for a second. Everything. I mean, this was the greatest catch that Peter would probably ever experience in his life, and he left it to follow Jesus. This was probably the greatest career accomplishment he would ever think to experience, and he left it. This was the biggest payday he could have ever have dreamed for. And he left it to follow Jesus. Everything means everything. And Peter left everything to follow Jesus. The more you trust in Jesus, and man, it starts with that mustard seed faith. Remember that, right? Start small. The more you trust in him, the more all you will be of him, be in, in all of him. The more you trust in him, the more you're gonna, we said this last week, you're gonna leave space for him to blow you away, to amaze you, to captivate you with wonder and awe because of your trust in him. But I love this story because it starts small. An inconvenient question that included Peter to be part of something Jesus was doing led to a suggestion by Jesus that spoke directly to Peter in the life that he was, in the life situation he was dealing with. That ended up with him leaving everything to follow Jesus. You want to be in awe? Trust him every single step of the way and watch him show you faithfulness and goodness and kindness and mercy and provision and love every step of the way. If you're willing, I want us to get really personal. You don't have to say anything out loud, so you don't have to worry about that one. So often we just kind of end here and we're like, oh man, like that was helpful. Hopefully that was beneficial. Hopefully you learned a couple things throughout God's word today. But I want to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to speak directly to you and your situation. So let me walk you through what I want us to do. That last part, Jesus said, don't be afraid. Now on you will be fishers of men. It's kind of a loose translation there. The idea is don't be afraid because taking next, next steps is scary because we are not in control of that. So Jesus calls it out. I know it's scary, but don't be afraid. And then he changes their identity. You used to like view yourselves as, as catching fish. Nah, that's not what I really have for you. And he changes who they are. The same is true for us. Like don't be afraid of these next steps because he wants to change who you are. And then remember the last part? As soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. But let's make that personal. Let me put these fill, fill in the blanks here. There's two blanks that you need to begin to think about filling in. The first one's pretty easy. That's your name. So for me, I would say, and then Brian, here's the hard one, left what? And followed Jesus. And don't just gloss over that question or that statement there. 
What is your everything? Not just your something. What is holding you back in taking those next steps and truly trusting in Jesus? We all have them right there with you. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna pray over you and then we're just gonna take about 30 seconds and would you just allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you on what you need to leave behind so you can truly follow Jesus, to trust in him more and to be in awe of who he is. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you and we thank you so much for who you are, not just what you do, but who you are. We acknowledge and recognize your kingship and your lordship, your sovereignty over everyone and everything. You are king of kings. You are lord of lords. And we are in awe of you. We are amazed at who you are and what you've done. Because, because we are gripped with wonder, because we are awestruck of you, Holy Spirit, in this moment, would you speak to us? Would you move in our heart? Would you bring the thoughts to mind on how we would fill in that second blank? What does it look like for us to leave everything and follow you in this moment of our lives, in this situation? For Peter and his companions, it was leaving their boats and their nets. What is it for me? Was it, what is it for us? What are you calling us out to? What are you calling us to as we fully follow you? In Jesus' name, amen.